This morning's passage as found in the 19th chapter of the book of Job. I invite you to turn to that chapter this morning. We are going to be reading verses 7 through 27. Job is still having a difficult time with his comforters, and this is one of his very lowest points and in his mind all hope is gone maybe you feel that way this morning maybe you have come into God's house maybe others don't know we dress up we tell each other that we're fine when someone asks how we're doing And sometimes that is not the truth. Sometimes we are struggling in very many ways. But I hope if that is your situation this morning, you, like Job, will be brought to the realization that your Redeemer is alive and that he can change your circumstances if you are there in the 19th chapter i encourage you if you're able and willing to stand as we would read this section of scripture together beginning with verse 7 behold i cry out violence but i am not answered i call for help but there is no justice he has walled up my way so that i cannot pass He has set darkness upon my path. He has stripped from me my glory and taken the crown from my head. He breaks me down on every side and I am gone. And my hope has he pulled up like a tree. He has kindled his wrath against me and counts me as his adversary. His troops come on together. They have cast up their siege ramp against me and encamp around my tent. He has put my brothers far from me, and those who knew me are wholly estranged from me. My relatives have failed me. My close friends have forgotten me. The guests in my house and my maidservants count me as a stranger. I have become a foreigner in their eyes. I call to my servant, but he gives me no answer. I must plead with him with my mouth for mercy. My breath is strange to my wife, and I am a stench to the children of my own mother. Even young children despise me. When I rise, they talk against me. All my intimate friends abhor me, and those whom I loved have turned against me. My bones stick to my skin and to my flesh. I have escaped by the skin of my teeth. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, O you my friends. For the hand of God has touched me. Why do you, like God, pursue me? Why are you not satisfied with my flesh? Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed... Yet in my flesh I shall see God, 
whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. Father, we thank you for this reading of your word, and ask now that through your Holy Spirit you would illuminate these truths, that they might transform us, that we might draw, be drawn closer to you, closer to the Redeemer, and walk accordingly. We ask and pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. This morning we're going to look at a passage about all hope is gone. Why is Job at this place? Well, as I read verses 7 through 22, this is the section where he senses uh, that God is just... Well, it's, it's verses 7 through... Um, I'm sorry, 8 through 13, but this whole section, which I read 7 through 22, everyone's against him. In verses 8 through 13, he sees that the hand of God is against him. In, in verses 14 through 20, he, he's seeing that his family, his friends, his, his servants, even little kids are now making fun of him. And then in verses... 21 and 22 he's talking to his three friends that have been there with him and he's saying why are you guys even turned on me so he thinks God's against him he's being shunned by his families and friends neighbors and his comforters his counselors who are there to help him he feels like they betrayed him he feels all alone I don't know that many of us, if any of us, have ever been to a leper colony. I know I have not. I've been in India twice, but um, the one occasion we had to go to, um, or we wanted to go to a leper colony, but it, it didn't work out that uh, particular trip. But lepers are people, they're still, it's not just in Bible times, they're still lepers today. And because of this contagious skin disease it, it just rots off your body parts causes you to go blind and all this when someone is diagnosed with this disease they are they are removed from society and they are placed in a leper colony where they have to live with just their own kind they're alone from you know if you had a a wife, you had kids, they don't go with you. It's just you. Now, we may not be lepers. At least I hope there's no lepers in here, actual physical lepers. But we have that type of disease in our lives, and it's called sin. And we may not have all the troubles that Job had, but some of us have serious problems. And when those things come in our life, when God allows them to come in our life, we feel alone. We feel like no one understands. We sometimes even have a silence from God, and we don't understand that. We struggle with this. Sometimes you may even take shots from your own team sometimes the people that that are on your team they're 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 taking shots at you that 
The Apostle Paul told us that would happen in Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 30. I'm not going to read those, but he was meeting with the Ephesians elder, and he, he told them about the church. He said, even from amongst your own members, you're going to have people rise up, and they're going to stand against you. And, and that can make you feel alone. Jeremiah, the prophet, he complained. He felt like when he was doing what God called him to do, he felt abandoned. And the point is, you may be doing what God has called you to do. You may be doing your best to serve him, and the circumstances of your life are such that you just feel let down. You feel like you've just been done wrong. And we can forget other truths when these circumstances come against us. Job, go back to chapter 1 and that high point when all this initially happened and he was saying, hey, you know, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I, I'm going to continue to worship. And at this point, he has forgotten these truths. Sometimes we need to be reminded of the truths of God. We've shared it before, Hebrews 13, verse 5. Promise of Jesus, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now see, if you've been attending church for any length of time, you know these truths you know that God has never promised us in his word that our lives were going to be pain-free trouble-free we know that but when you have uh, a wayward child when you have a marriage that's not working when, when you have job loss when there's sickness that's come into your life whenever there's disappointing circumstances we can forget these truths of God and what we need to do at that point just like Job we need to look up Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2 those are two very powerful verses that, that whole first 17 verses of chapter 3 is amazing text uh, I was privileged to share that text with the family at Lenny's Grove over those four nights a couple of weeks ago but Colossians 3, 1 and 2 simply says this, that we can, I'm going to paraphrase here, when, if we've been raised with Christ, if you're one of his, we're commanded in his command language, we're to seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We're to set our mind on things above, not on things on this earth. But boy, Sometimes that's hard to do. Sometimes it's hard to do. But we can do it with Christ. And then Job here, he's, he's, he's voiced these concerns. And now look at verses 23 and 24. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. What Job is saying here, because as you've gone along in the book of Job, and I, I hope you've been reading this and, and availing yourself of these, these messages, 
But what's happened is his friends just can't get past the idea that there's sin in his life. Job is innocent of these things that have happened. And yet they don't believe him. And so what he's wanting is to be proven right. He's wanting others to know that they're wrong. Oh, that my words were written, that they were inscribed in a book. Now, God actually answered this prayer. We're reading these words thousands and thousands of years later. God put Job's word in a book. He's not going to do that for all of us. Because, well, the book's written, so that's out for us. We're not going to make the Bible. The Bible's closed. But... This next verse, oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. You know what that is? That's, that's a tombstone. That's a gravestone. These are the words that are written on gravestones. And what Job is saying is that he wished his story would be on a gravestone forever. Now, I did a little research. And these are some supposedly, now some of these, I'm, I'm positive they're real. These, some of these, I, I saw them on a gravestone, but I don't know that they're actually in a cemetery somewhere. Uh, one just says this, I told you I was sick. Uh, this other one says, and this, this is in capital letters, he loved bacon. And then it, under it, it says in smaller letters, oh, and his wife and kids, too. Uh, and this, I remember seeing this at my grandfather's house years ago when I was a kid. But some guy actually had this put on his tombstone. It says, Ma loved Pa. Pa loved women. Ma caught Pa with two in swimming. Here lies Pa. How many of y'all have ever heard that one? So, yeah, several of you have, yeah. Okay, and now th then these are these are real names with real dates. Bill Kugel, born 1923, died 1992. That's what it says on his tombstone. He never voted for Republicans and had little to do with them. He he wanted it, he wanted that known. And then Andrew Olzak. 1895 through 1979. Abandoned by his wife and children in old age, may God be more understanding and merciful. And then Herman Harban. Now this one, wow, this, this is rough. His says 1918. This, it's a lengthy quotation. And it says this. My wife, Eleanor Arthur of Queens, New York, lived like a princess for 20 years, traveling the world with the best of everything when I went blind. She tried to poison me, took all my money, all my medication, and left me in the dark, alone and sick. It's a miracle I escaped. I won't see her in heaven because she's surely going the other place and I did change a word or two at the end of that 
Now, some of these are funny, but some of them are sad. But what it is, is some people were bitter, and they were hurting, and they wanted a record. Now, uh, what's his name's uh, Eleanor, according to the story I read, uh, she, she had that marker taken down, and it's been removed. So he didn't, he didn't get his way. We don't always get our way. We don't always get our side of the story out. People are not always going to understand. Well, we want to be right. Sometimes we face things that are not fair. Job was certainly facing that. He was facing things that weren't weren't true. They were making accusations about him that were unfounded. And in our flesh, in our human nature, what do we want to do when this happens to us? Well, I know y'all are righteous and godly people, so you might not feel this way, but sometimes we want to lash out. We want to pop somebody. I got a little extra volume on that one. Thanks, Chuck. Uh, Are we given that option as believers? Absolutely not. Jesus told us to turn the other cheek. Job was struggling with this. He felt alone. He wanted his story, the true story told. But then the hope comes in. And Job's solution is our solution. It's the only solution. The only true hope for redemption is found in God. For I know that my Redeemer lives. You know, there are a lot of things Job was confused about, a lot of things he didn't understand, a lot of things that his friends, his family, other people couldn't see. But he knew this. For I know that my Redeemer lives. What a powerful powerful statement and remember that Job this is one of the earliest books that was written he didn't have the full revelation that we have he didn't know Jesus he just had a confident hope that God was going to redeem him and there's some understanding that after his death he knew that the redeemer would come and stand upon the earth and he would see him Yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. My eyes shall behold, and not another. Job had that hope. But we, on this side of the cross, we have the rest of the book. We know the whole story. We know that the Redeemer is Jesus. We know that God sent his only son, the second person of the Trinity, and he came and lived a perfect, sinless life. And he died that we might hope, that we might be bought back, redeemed from the slave pit of sin. Oh, what comfort that brought Job, what comfort it should bring us. Jesus is the only hope this world has while 
Job didn't know Jesus in that full revelation, he knew that God was going to redeem him. He didn't know the form. He didn't know the person of Jesus. But he was confident that God would do it. As we bring this service to a close, I want to encourage you this morning. Like I said, I don't know what everybody's going through. I don't know the problems, but I do know human nature, and I do know when we're struggling, it's very easy to think that we're alone, that God has forgotten us. He doesn't know where we're at. That passage I read out of Isaiah, that's what they were saying. They were saying, God's forgotten us. He doesn't know what's going on. Where's he at? And the prophet, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Why do you say, O Jacob, that he cannot see? Why do you say, O Israel, my way is hidden? No, no, no. Not from the one who created it all. Not from the one who names the stars and calls them out. Not the one who says to the sea, This far you shall go and no farther. That one knows all, sees all, and nothing is hidden from his sight. He knows where you are. He knows your circumstances. Matter of fact, he's the one that let those circumstances enter your life. As our musicians come, I want to read from Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 through 24. This is the prophet Jeremiah after the destruction of Jerusalem. He's lost everything. He's alone. He says, remember my affliction and my wondering, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. He's hurt. He's feeling alone, distressed, depressed discouraged then there's this but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they are new every morning great is your faithfulness the Lord is my portion says my soul therefore I will hope in him child of the king I remind you that his mercies are new every morning great is his faithfulness his love for you has not and will not change and sometimes we just need to be reminded of that and if you're not a believer I would encourage you to come to the only one who can bring you hope the only one who is able, the only one who paid the price that satisfied the wrath of God against sin, the only one, Jesus, who can redeem you from sin. From that empty life you're living, I mean, there's no hope there, but there's hope in Christ. He's the only one who can take that heart of stone and redeem you from an empty life of just existence the Holy Spirit is convicting you this morning of your need for Christ I encourage you to come and receive him let's pray together Father I thank you for the blessings of this day
Father, I thank you for your grace. For we do not deserve anything from you. We can't demand it. It's just grace that you extended to us. Lord, you sent Jesus out of love. Not because we deserve it. Not because we're good enough. But for your glory. And for our good. While we were yet sinners, Christ came for us. Oh, what a precious truth that is. Father, help us just to respond to your word in the ways that would be pleasing to you. We ask and pray it in Christ's name. Continue to pr uh, play softly, just pray.
Pastor James is going to share something with us, so just remain standing for just a minute and uh, direct your attention over here. A couple weeks ago, Susanna, Susanna? Savannah. Savannah came to me and Pastor Mitch and uh, at her house on the weekend asked the Lord to come into her heart. And uh, so she's presenting herself to the church today uh, as, as just wanting to tell the church that she has accepted the Lord and is coming for baptism in just a couple of weeks. And so uh, we're going to come by, hug her neck, love on her. She's been emotional these last couple of days. And uh, so I know the family's excited. And so, hey, if you're excited, give me an amen. Amen. We love you. And we're excited about it, okay? So you're going to come by. We're going to close in prayer. And uh, I guess I'll close in prayer. And we'll come by and love on Savannah. All right? Lord, Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for Savannah and her coming forward and presenting herself to the church. It's an awesome responsibility that you've given us as parents to raise our children in the right way. And this is an example of that. And we just thank you, Father, for um, her willingness to come and uh, go before her parents and just say, I don't know the Lord. And I just thank you, Father, for you working in her life and in the life of our church. We just thank you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.